Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I didn't know anything about strokes and didn't really realize the the seriousness of it all really until the consultant said you know this is really serious it could be sort of life or death really after my stroke I I couldn't actually say anything and then it was yes and no um for I don't know how much time it was just several months uh, yeah and it would be I would want to say yes and I say no so it was very confusing to other people I think the important thing that I realise is in my head I can think if I can't say that specific word I can think can I say a different word that's very similar and that was a big thing but people don't know a lot of the time which is also good for me because I, I feel like I want to be normal again I don't I don't want to pe- people to think I'm different because I'm not Hello this is Stroke Stories I'm Mark Goodyear In the UK there are more than 100,000 strokes every year That's about one every 5 minutes Around the world maybe as many as 15 million It's usually sudden and it can be a devastating illness and while the health services are amazing with diagnosis and treatment, after the stroke, patients often find there aren't enough resources to help them on their long journey to recovery. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this podcast, we hear from Sarah Scott and her mum, Joni. At the age of 18, Sarah suffered a severe stroke at school that left her unable to move, talk or swallow. I remember what happened. Um, I was at school. Um, I was in my English class in the morning um, and I was actually supposed to talk and I couldn't say anything. Um, I had half of my body, like, paralysed. It was like pins and needles. Um, I was not scared. I didn't really know what a stroke was, but I had a stroke. Um, But all of my friends and my teacher realised straight away, because obviously my face was droopy. Um, and they phoned the ambulance straight away and they were really, really quick, which I'm so glad that they did. Sarah was 18 when she had a stroke and just about to take her A-levels and go to uni. And I was studying floristry, hoping to set up my own business. So I was actually in college in St Albans 
and I had um, somebody from the office came in and said, your daughter's been taken to hospital. So my tutor ran me over to the hospital, the local hospital, and the consultant there was actually on holiday for the day, but he'd heard that an 18-year-old had had a stroke, and he actually came rushing in on his day off, which was really great of him. And um, Sarah was laying on a trolley. They were trying to sit her up, and she was being sick, and I noticed that she had sick in her hair, and at that point I was really worried about the sick because she hates being sick, and it was stupid. I didn't know anything about strokes and didn't really realise the the seriousness of it all really until the consultant said yeah this is really serious it could be sort of life or death really and we're going to give her thrombolysis clot busting drugs we need to know how much she weighs which I didn't really know and also they took her in for a CT scan and said we'll take her earrings out and then they came out with a nipple ring which I didn't know that she had <laughs> until that point which is quite funny looking back at it yeah but uh, yeah they couldn't see anything on the CT scan because it was um, a new stroke it didn't show up but they saw something that made them think that it was so they carried on with the thrombolysis and he said that could cause a bleed and because of that she would have to be transferred to a London hospital you were in hospital and rehab all together for five months it was a very serious stroke and although Sarah had clot busting drugs she still um lost the ability to swallow and speak and walk but you don't know if I didn't have that I could have died you never know which is scary I don't want to think about that but after my stroke I I couldn't actually say anything and then it was yes and no um for I don't know how much time it was just several months uh, yeah and it would be I would want to say yes and I say no so it was very confusing to other people and I guess me um I couldn't really understand what people are saying um and that was difficult as well and I remember when I was in the hospital my uh, you bought a magazine and I realised that I couldn't read because it was like Google degook. It was just not words, um, which that was really strange. But then when I had more speech therapy after when we went home, I was saying some words. When I was in the hospital, I couldn't walk, but that was very quickly. I could walk, and so you would think my speech would be the same, but it was not, because obviously that area was really affected. So it was more... It was hard for my friends, but I think for my parents to feel like they couldn't really help me, because... And your behaviour as well. Um, When Sarah came home, she used to do things like turn the oven on full and walk away and turn the bath on and lock herself in the bathroom and try to brush her hair with a toothbrush and just those sort of bizarre behaviour. Sarah had a lot to contend with after the stroke. It was in the middle of her A-levels. She was thinking about university. But instead, she had to spend the next few years recovering from serious illness. I was more upset. I had a relationship and that ended because 
I couldn't really talk and that was and that was my I, I said I we can't have that relationship because it was more important to do things to do with me because of my stroke and it was just so hard um a lot of my friends went to uni and so I was very alone um and the hardest thing that because I couldn't talk I couldn't really talk to my parents about it saying you know I'm upset um obviously there were some days that I was maybe annoyed and why me but that was more common was I was just upset and thinking what am I going to do now because everything um feels like I'm a different person and I don't know what to do with myself and that was the hardest thing you, you think you're a shell there's nothing there anymore I think when I was doing sentences at, when I was doing speech therapy um, when I couldn't really talk at all that was so difficult I think when I can talk a bit more I realise that maybe I can be a, a you know a normal person again and because um, I was working at Waitrose um, at the weekends I didn't work for a year and then when I went back I had a, a different job that was more no, as much as talking but just going out on my own was a, a big turning point saying that even though it's scary that I can go out on my own um, instead of having my parents always there was really good. Waitrose made you a special badge that said I have speech problems um, which was small, it was sort of discreet, but it was nice to know that you could point to it if yeah. you wanted to. We had a timetable that we split and we did something every single day and I think that's a really important thing to say as well because you can sit at home and just watch daytime TV and, and vegetate and I think that's no good for your recovery. So we tried new things like Sarah did riding for the disabled so she rode horses for the first time and had to say left and right and and walk on and things like that which I think riding for the disabled is fabulous and people of all ages can do that and you did sort of different things didn't you got an annual cinema ticket and we used to go to see movies and, mm. and she used to talk about them in speech therapy which was really hard as well mm -hmm. wasn't it but it, it's good for your speech so when I had my stroke two years after Sarah I knew a lot about strokes I knew that they could be fatal. I knew that they were leading cause of disability, so I knew all that. So I was upstairs in bed on a Sunday evening about midnight, rolled over to reach for my phone and immediately had a stroke. And I tried to say to my husband, my arm feels funny, and it just came out as gobbledygook. Um, he thought I was joking, but just for a split second. And then he shouted for Sarah, who was in the bedroom opposite. So um, got up on a Sunday night at midnight in an ambulance, which is probably the worst time to get to A&E. And um, Sarah was with me, and I kept looking at Sarah and thinking, if I die, what's going to happen to Sarah? And I was just a complete mess, really. I mean, my, my stroke was quite mild. I had a weakness on my left-hand side, but 
psychologically I was completely screwed up and um, I wouldn't sit in a chair because I didn't want to bend my legs in case I got a blood clot. Sarah and Joni found themselves recovering together from a life-changing illness. So I had a hole in my heart and I said, you should check all of us. And I said, (laughs) I've got to nearly 50 and I've had two children. If I had a hole in the heart, I'd know about it. It's a PFO, which is something that you have from birth and usually it closes up after birth. But in about 25% of people, it doesn't. And it doesn't always cause health issues. But in younger people who have a stroke, it's quite common. So Sarah had hers closed at Harefield Hospital by a wonderful surgeon Mm. and I had the same surgeon that operated on me as well. And touch wood, we're we're okay now. We're on medication. um, I was sort of walking wounded. I was kicked out of hospital a couple of days afterwards um, because I was walking and, yeah, felt all right and I just wanted to get home. But um, I went back to the GP and had um, a bit of counselling to help me really, help me relax. Because I still wake up every morning wondering if my arms and legs are working. First thing I think in the morning, you know. You know, I don't smoke and probably my stroke risk now that I've had the hole in the heart closed is lower and I'm on medication, but it's still always there in the background or like a cloud over your head, you know. that. And I do the positive stuff like helping other people and running our stroke group and things like that. So it's a positive thing but stroke's still quite a big part of our lives and we talk about it a lot don't we but we feel like it helps other people um who might just have had a stroke and didn't really know anything about it just to see there is life you know after stroke i wish that they all people realize what stroke is and what aphasia is because it would be more easier to people going out on their own and that's why people don't know what aphasia is because I don't think people go out because they're scared and people always say oh you're so much better you can you know walk I can talk but there's a lot of things that I can't do I've got I have lots of apps that are free and that really help me for texting my boyfriend my family my friends and actually at work I use my apps and that really really helps um but people don't know a lot of the time which is also good for me because I I feel like I want to be normal again I don't I don't want to people to think I'm different because I'm not The situation that Sarah and Joni found themselves in was difficult and emotionally stressful. However, their already close relationship and their roles helping each other get better created a positive environment. Still to come on this episode of Stroke Stories, Joni reflects on some of the milestones Sarah reached during her rehabilitation. I can remember when Sarah had her stroke and I thought, I'm never going to hear her say mum again. Never going to have a cup of tea, but you made a cup of tea in rehab. And all those things were milestones, you know, and, and meant so much. And, and then when she started kind of telling me what to do, I knew that she was on the road to recovery. <laughs> and Sarah reveals more about how she used social media to reach out to people. After uh, my stroke... I was researching if there's any videos and I couldn't really see 
just old videos, really, really old. There was nothing and not younger people like me. And, and hearing people's stories, as we said, they're so powerful and nobody's quite the same, but it, mm -hmm. it sort of helps you know that you're not alone. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's hear about Sarah's intense speech therapy course in Florida. It was very similar what you do in the UK. There was nothing really, anything different. It was very, very intensive. And that's the only thing. It was every day and at the weekends. Six hours a day plus homework every day. And Exhausting. And I couldn't do it just after my stroke because I needed to be like really awake all the time. And... Just after my stroke, I was sleeping a lot because mm. you're, you know, very tired. Um, but it, it really, really helped me. Um, so it was five years after Sarah's stroke and it cost over £20,000. Mm. So, But why can't we do it in the UK? Because we have the expertise here and Sarah made 40% gains in some things. Yeah. Amazing. And in fact, Sarah wanted to focus on speech. I want, she kept saying, I want to speak, I want to speak. And because of that, I think her speech has come on leaps and bounds, whereas reading, writing, she didn't focus on as much. Do you think? And it, it is a shame, I guess, because reading and writing is a kind of a hobby. Where before my stroke, um, I liked to read a lot, and it's really hard to have. I like have lots of books that I still have, and I think, is there going to be a time that I could read again? Um, and obviously, because of working, um, but I'm still glad that I just said my speech because when you can't speak. I remember how it's so difficult for your family, your friends, um, and people don't know what to say because if you can't speak, you're trapped in your body. There's lots of things. One, if you're, they say if you're young, it should be a bit easier. It's still difficult. I'm not going to say it was easy, um, but... I always wanted to be positive, even some days I feel de almost depressed. I think you need to be positive about something because you'll be just really not happy. And it was a bit easier because my parents were around and really helped me. I can remember when Sarah had her stroke and I thought, I'm never going to hear her say mum again. And... Um never going to have a cup of tea but you made a cup of tea in rehab and all those things were milestones you know and, and meant so much and and then when she started 
kind of telling me what to do. I knew that she was on the road to recovery. <laughs> she was like, she never lost her personality, even when she lost her speech, though. I, I could tell from her face, you know, she's the same person inside. And Sarah found that the information online for younger people who'd suffered strokes was almost non-existent. And so she and Joni decided to share their story in order to help others in a similar situation understand that they're not alone. I was doing speech therapy and my speech was better. Um, but I didn't really think I was really changing a lot. Um, and I think we were talking about it for a bit of a time and we were like, well, maybe we should do like a video maybe just us like people are not going to see it and then i said let's put it on youtube because sarah's grandma who sadly has passed away now she used to say poor sarah you know poor sarah her life's over now she's had a stroke and and just didn't really understand that sarah was recovering hopefully and was going to recover so i thought if we do this youtube video it's going to show people that sarah's getting better and also show Sarah that she's improving. So we did it nine months after her stroke. Um, and then we've done one sort of every year since then. And it's been very successful. And um, medical students use it all over the world. We get messages from Argentina and New Zealand and all sorts of places like that. And also messages from people who've had a stroke in their families saying that we looked for stuff online about younger people and we found your video and it was very helpful to see the progress that Sarah's made. And Because um, after our, my stroke, um, I was researching if there's any videos and I couldn't really see just old videos, really, really old. There was nothing and not younger people like me and I think... And hearing people's stories, you know, as we said, they're so powerful and nobody's quite the same, but it, mm -hmm. it sort of helps you know that you're not alone. Um, but we've also done, for the Stroke Association, spoken in schools, set up our support group. Sarah even took part in the Channel 4 dating programme, The Undateables, to raise more awareness about strokes and surviving them. We watched the first series and we really liked it. Um, and then, I don't know, I think my mum said, oh, you can... Oh, they're like, looking for people to apply, and you said... Like, I, I said, to. well, I'm single, maybe <laughs> we should apply. So we did, um, and... They, oh, I can't. I actually can't remember. They came really. round and did an yeah. audition tape for yeah. you, and, and they were really nice and really understanding, yeah. and did a lot of research about stroke and aphasia, and it was really positive, wasn't it? They they were really nice, and because I was a bit anxious, thinking maybe they're not going to understand what aphasia is, and knowing that sometimes. Some days are difficult. Sometimes I couldn't really say much, and some days I can. And and if I'm tired, or but even though there was a camera like really near to my face, um, they were just so kind and understanding and really like because people hate yeah. the name of the program and it gets a lot of bad press. But actually, 
the program gets people's attention the name gets yeah. people's attention and the program was very sympathetic and we had lots of good feedback and people saying wow I didn't know that a young girl like that could have a stroke so and that was part of the reason you the, did it. It was, it was more to do with raising awareness than to do with I want a boyfriend. But, but it, it was a great experience yeah, I would say. It, it was, and we met other participants with different disabilities and we're still friends with them. Yeah. So nice. Jodie and Sarah also wanted to make a difference in their community and so decided to set up a support group to provide people who'd suffered a stroke with the opportunity to share their experiences. There were um, like day centres and things like that and people playing bingo and there was nothing really that related to Sarah. Well, you know, some people want to go out and do, you know, painting or doing other things. We wanted... We went to Connect in London. Which is an aphasia charity. And that was what we wanted to have it here. Um, They had a drop-in and it was a very positive atmosphere in a really bright environment and everybody was very And it's it's more to do with just talking about anything. You know, it could be to do with the stroke or aphasia, but it could be what are you doing at the weekend or... Um, it's just talking and it's more not formal it's just you know chatting and you're not as anxious which is it's a safe environment really with your speech so we get all sorts of people coming through and probably hundreds over the years it's a lot of people and younger people that you know are working now which is really amazing and nice to see and they still go back if it's you know And people with kids and, you know, we've had a hairdresser who people didn't understand that she had had a stroke and she could go back to work. They wanted her to wear a crash helmet at work. This is how ignorant people are. And um, someone who is an accountant and he's gone back to work in the city. People with kids, you know, some have been coming for the whole seven years and some come and go. Sarah and Joni's story is an incredible one. They've been through a truly challenging experience together and have come out of it stronger and even more determined to make a positive difference for other people. If you're listening to this podcast because you've had a stroke or somebody close to you has and you'd like to learn more, search for Sarah and Joni's videos or the Stroke Association online and you can search NHS Strokes for a dedicated NHS webpage. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.